For I've had enough of this world and its pleasures. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. I will arise and go forth to the house of my father. I will arise and go forth to the house of my young. House of my young. Shalom, and welcome to today's teaching on the Hebraic roots of Christianity, where we study first century Christianity and the faith that Jesus, whose Hebrew name is Yeshua, which means salvation, taught his disciples. And now, Hebraic roots teacher Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries International. Shalom, I'm Eddie Chumney of Hebraic Heritage Ministries, and we welcome you to today's teaching on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. This is part 26 of the series. In Acts chapter 22, verses 11 and 12, we see who is Ananias, because the way in which Paul is going to receive his sight is Ananias is going to be instructed to lay his hands upon Paul. So we're going to look at the prophetic significance of this. In Acts chapter 22, verses 11 and 12, it is written, And when I could not see for the glory of that light, this is Paul giving his testimony, being led by the hand of them that were with me, I came into Damascus, and one Ananias, a devout man, according to the Torah, having a good report of all Jews which dwelt there. So in describing Ananias, he's called a devout man, according to the Torah, having a good report of all the Jews which dwelt there. Well, this is phraseology for what is called a proselyte. And in the Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 479, he explains about these proselytes of the first century. In Tanaic period, there was a large group of semi-proselytes or half-proselytes. These persons were called variously devout ones, which is what we read here in Acts 22, fearers, God-fearers, worshipers of God, and the like. They are mentioned a number of times in the Acts of the Apostles and also in the works of Josephus. These God-fearers appropriated only the loftier ideas of rabbinic Judaism, such as monotheism and the ethics of the prophets. Most of them kept the biblical Sabbath and refrained from eating swine's flesh, but they did not observe the numerous ritual rules of Pharisaic Judaism. Let me translate that for you. It is someone who believes in following the Torah, keeping the Sabbath, keeping the biblical festivals, eating clean foods, but not following all in the specifications of rabbinic Judaism. Who do we call those people today who are doing that? We call them those who have returned to the Hebrew roots of their faith. So Ananias here is a prophetic picture today of one who is following the Hebrew roots of his faith. Now, Yeshua instructs Ananias to go see Paul. In Acts chapter 9, in verses 10 through 12, it is written, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the street which 
which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and has seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. In Acts chapter 9, verses 13 and 14, we are told that Ananias knows that in the life of Paul, he persecuted believers in Yeshua. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. Ananias is a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on your name. In reply in Acts chapter 9 verse 15, the Lord said unto Ananias, Go your way, for he, that is Paul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. In Acts chapter 9 verse 15, we are told that Paul is a chosen vessel. Now this word chosen is the Strong's number 1589 in the Strong's Greek Dictionary. It means a person chosen or God's elect. Well, who in the Bible is the elect or the chosen of God? It is Israel. In Isaiah chapter 45 verse 4, it is written, For Jacob my servant's sake, and Israel my elect. The word elect here is the Strong's number 972, and it's the Hebrew word becher, and it means chosen or elect of God. So Paul is a chosen vessel of Yeshua, and it's the nation of Israel who also is his chosen or his elect. In Acts chapter 9 and verse 15, where it says that Paul is a chosen vessel, we can see then from Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 6, once again, that the nation of Israel is chosen of the God of Israel. For you are a holy people unto the Lord your God, for the Lord your God has chosen you to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. In Acts chapter 9 verse 16, Yeshua explains, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. What are the things that he is suffering for? He's suffering for being a believer in Yeshua as the Messiah because Jews are going to persecute him, but he's also going to suffer for proclaiming the message of the return and the regathering of the 12 tribes of Israel. So in Acts chapter 13, Paul was teaching in various cities in the synagogues. And then we're told in Acts chapter 13, verse 44, and the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the word of God. Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold because they were being frustrated with the Jews in the synagogue who were blaspheming and contradicting Paul and Barnabas. They got frustrated and as a result, proclaimed this, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles, for so has the Lord commanded us, saying, I've set you to be a light of the Gentiles, that you should be my salvation under the ends of the earth. So Paul sees his commissioning to be sent out in the nations of the world to be according to that which is said here that he's quoting from in Acts chapter 13 and verse 47 from Isaiah in chapter 49 and verse 6. Now, in the book of Redemption by Moses Nachmanides, known as the Rambam, on pages 25 and 26. He refers to Isaiah in chapter 49 and verses 5 and 6, which reads, And now says the Lord that formed me from the womb to be a servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. And he said, It is a light thing that you should be my servant to 
raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel, that is to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel, I will also give you for a light of the Gentiles that you may be my salvation unto the ends of the earth. And so in his commentary to these verses in the book of redemption, Moses Nachmanides or the Rambam explains that these prophecies relate to all 12 tribes, including the tribes of the northern kingdom known as the 10 tribes. Now, continuing on from Isaiah chapter 49 verses 5 and 6 into verse 9, what we're doing here is we're seeing that what Paul is quoting from in the book of Isaiah in chapter 49 in Acts chapter 13 and verse 47, that Paul is seeing that his calling is to proclaim Messiah specifically to the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the 10 tribes. And while doing so, those in the nations, those non-Jews of the nations would also hear about the redemptive work of Yeshua the Messiah. So Paul was quoting in Acts chapter 13 verse 47. He's quoting from Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 6. And I just showed here how the Jewish understanding is this is a reference to gathering the 12 tribes of Israel, wherein Isaiah chapter 49 and verse 9, it speaks specifically about the northern kingdom or Ephraim. Isaiah 49 verse 9 says that you may say to the prisoners, go forth. To them that are in darkness, show yourselves. They shall feed in the ways and their pasture shall be in all high places. These prisoners are the exiles of Israel. These prisoners are understand to be the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the 10 tribes. They're going to go forth. That means the prophecy is to end their exile. In the book of Matter of Return by Rabbi Raphael Eisenberg on page 132, there is a commentary about Isaiah chapter 49 verse 9 and who the prisoners are. Prophesying about the future return of the exiles to their land, Isaiah states that you may say to the prisoners, go forth. To them that are in darkness, show yourself. The Midrash Rabbah or the rabbinical commentary on the scriptures explains that the prisoners here denotes the tribes residing beyond the Sabbatian. This is a reference to the northern kingdom or the ten tribes or Ephraim as we can see from the Sanchino Midrash Rabbah volume 7 page 172 commenting about Isaiah chapter 49 verse 9 saying to the prisoners go forth. This alludes to those who were exiled to this side of the river Sabbatian and then there's a notation saying that those who were exiled to the river Sabbatian and beyond refers to the northern kingdom, the ten tribes, or Ephraim. So the context of the quote of the verse that Paul is referring to seeing his commissioning in his ministry, we see that he sees himself as going out to the northern kingdom or Ephraim or the ten tribes and proclaiming Yeshua, that he's the Messiah, that in believing in him, you follow his Torah, and ultimately that his role as the Messiah is the gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Now in Ezekiel in chapter 37, speaking about the exiles of Israel, they're regarded as being dead or dry bones. In Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 3, it is written, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by around about them. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, 
O Lord God, you know. Continuing on in Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 4 and 5 and verse 11. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O you dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God unto these bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and you will live. Then he said unto me, son of man, those bones are the whole house of Israel. The whole house of Israel is all 12 tribes. Behold, they say, our bones are dried. Our hope is lost. We are cut off from our part. I want you to understand the definition here that being cut off from their parts, the separation of northern kingdom from southern kingdom is called our hope being lost. That's because the uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel means the end of the exile. The nation is not ruling over Israel. The, the Messiah redeeming them, recognizing the Messiah, following his Torah and the setting up of the Messianic era where Israel is the head of all nations. That's the hope. So while northern kingdom is separated from southern kingdom, that means the hope is lost. Paul, in speaking about his ministry, said he's a prisoner of hope. In Acts chapter 28, verse 17, it is written, and it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together. And when they were come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have committed nothing against the people or the customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Continuing on in Acts chapter 28 verses 19 and 20, Paul continues to testify. And when the Jews spoke against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of. For this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. What is the hope of Israel? It's the gathering and uniting of the 12 tribes of Israel. As long as northern kingdom and southern kingdom is separated from each other, our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts. So when Paul is saying that for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain, he is saying that he's proclaiming the message of the role of the Messiah to gather and to unite the 12 tribes of Israel to those places where he ministered. Now, Paul, you remember, is blind for three days. Ananias has been summoned by Yeshua to go see Paul and to lay his hands upon him. Ananias, in describing his belief system, Ananias is what we would call today someone who embraces the Hebrew roots of their faith in Yeshua as the Messiah. And so this is who Yeshua called upon to go see Paul and to lay hands upon him that he may see. In Acts chapter 9, verse 17 it is written and Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said brother Saul the Lord even Yeshua that appeared unto you in the way as you came has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit or the Ruach HaKodesh now what is the meaning the prophetic meaning of why Ananias laid his hands upon Paul well in the Torah the laying on of hands goes back to to the blessing that is given to Ephraim and Manasseh by Jacob in Genesis in chapter 48 verses 14 and 19 as it is written and Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head who is the younger and his left hand upon Manasseh's head guiding his hands wittingly for Manasseh was the firstborn and it was said his younger brother that would be Ephraim shall be greater than he that is Manasseh and his seed shall be become a multitude of nations. So in imparting this blessing, Jacob laid his hands upon Ephraim and 
Manasseh. And it's through understanding this blessing that is being given to Ephraim and Manasseh, giving them the firstborn blessing. If you don't understand the significance of this blessing and then the role that Ephraim played in the northern kingdom, because the northern kingdom was named after the tribe of Ephraim. If you don't understand these things, you're not going to understand the distinction between northern kingdom and southern kingdom, and you're not going to understand the role of the Messiah to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. So prophetically, when Ananias was laying his hands upon Paul, prophetically, he was imparting upon him the knowledge and understanding of the role of the Messiah to gather and to unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Of course, what Ananias is doing here is prophesying of events that are surrounding the second coming of Yeshua. In the Art Scroll of Genesis, volume 2, page 2121, it is explained that Ephraim will be assimilated or scattered into the nations of the world. Ibn Ezra says, many nations will descend from him, that is Ephraim, because the word mellow or fullness means abundance. The phrase meaning in his seed will become the abundant of the nations. Rabbi Avraham, son of Harambam, somewhat similarly stated, the expression denotes abundant prolificacy. The expression denotes abundance to the point that they will have to inhabit lands of other nations. It is an allusion to Ephraim's expansive territory. Radok said this refers to the exile when the lands of others will be filled with his scattered descendants. In Acts chapter 9 verse 17, we see that from Ananias laying his hands upon Paul, that Paul is filled with the Holy Spirit, as it is written. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Yeshua, that appeared unto you in the way as you came, has sent me that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, or the Ruach HaKodesh. The purpose of the empowering of the Holy Spirit is to proclaim Yeshua as the Messiah, following his Torah, and his role to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel. Because in Acts chapter 1 verse 6, when Yeshua was asked, are you going to at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel, unite all 12 tribes? He gives his answer in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, as it is written, but you will receive power. The word power here is dunamis, or miracle working power. You will receive miracle working power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Witnesses of the restoration of the kingdom to Israel. The answer to the question in Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. And you'll be my witnesses of the restoration of the kingdom of Israel in Jerusalem and Judea. That means the domain or the place where it is seen of the southern kingdom or the house of Judah or the Jewish people. And then in Samaria, Samaria is a reference to where the northern kingdom lived in the first century and then to the uttermost parts of the earth. Why the uttermost parts of the earth? That is because the exiles of Israel were scattered to the ends of the earth and in proclaiming the good news of the Messiah to the exiles of Israel, it would be heard by all the peoples as well who are living in the ends of the earth. And thus, while the gospel was going out to the exiles of Israel, it would be heard by all the nations in an opportunity to accept Yeshua as the Messiah and his redemptive work would be available to all nations. Paul taught the role of the Messiah to gather the 12 tribes of Israel as he himself testified in Acts chapter 26 verses 6 and 7, where before King Agrippa, he says these words, and now 
Now I stand am and judge for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. Well, if this is a promise that the twelve tribes hope to come, it means it hasn't happened yet. So therefore, the twelve tribes of Israel have not been united yet. It is a promise that is yet to come in the future. It will happen at Yeshua's second coming. In Acts chapter 9, verses 19 and 20, after Paul received the sight and was filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to preach Yeshua in the synagogues. And when he had received the meat, now prophetically this means when he received a deeper understanding of Yeshua being the Messiah and his role to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel and express your faith in him by following the Torah, that means that is the prophetic meaning of he received meat. He was strengthened. In other words, things became clear to him. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus. And straightway he preached Messiah in the synagogues, that he is the Messiah or that he is the Son of God. And so once there is supernatural revelation in the end of days among the Jewish people, and specifically the Orthodox Jewish people that Yeshua is Messiah, once they have that divine revelation like Paul did, it will be supernatural. Then they will begin to share Yeshua in the synagogues among their own. Let's summarize what we have covered so far in this session about Paul's conversion and the prophetic significance of it. Paul, he's playing the prophetic role of Orthodox Judaism or Rabbinic Judaism. He was blinded for three days. Paul being blinded for three days prophetically represents Orthodox or Rabbinic Judaism not accepting Yeshua as the Messiah until the Messianic era. Ananias, a non-Jew who followed biblical Torah, who we would call today one who follows the Hebrew roots of Christianity, was instructed by Yeshua to lay hands on Paul in order that he would receive his sight. Ananias laying his hands on Paul prophetically represents that in the end of days, non-Jewish believers in Yeshua who follow his Torah and who understand Yeshua's role to gather and unite the 12 tribes of Israel will impart the knowledge of the role of the Messiah to gather the exiles of Israel to Orthodox or Rabbinic Judaism. Believers in Yeshua as the Messiah from Rabbinic Judaism in the end of days will proclaim Yeshua as the Messiah in the ingathering of the exiles to their fellow Jews in the synagogues. Now, let's look at Acts chapter 10 and look at the prophetic significance of what is happening here in Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 is an account where Peter is given a vision of unclean things, and we're going to look at what the meaning of all of this is. To begin with, in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it is written, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all of his house. The phraseology, a devout man and one that feared God, tells us that he is a proselyte. And in the book, The Messianic Idea in Israel by Joseph Klausner on page 479, he will explain about first century proselytes. In the Tanaitic period, there was a large group of semi-proselytes or half-proselytes. These persons were called variously devout ones, God-fearers, and similar things. Well, that's going to conclude part 26 of the series on the subject, Two Houses and the New Testament. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen. 
Thank you, Eddie. This is Stephen Morgan, and all of us here at Hebraic Heritage Ministries pray that you have enjoyed today's teaching. If you've been blessed, will you help us to share this message with others? Hebraic Heritage Ministries is supported by your generous financial gifts. In order to help you in your studies and to help us share this message with others, we are offering today the DVD, Yeshua the Lawgiver, for free for a love gift of any amount to the ministry. Hebraic Heritage Ministries also offers a monthly discipleship program. If you are interested in starting a fellowship group in your area, let us know. We would like to help you. Please contact us for more details. Our website is hebroots.org. That's H-E-B-R-O-O-T-S dot O-R-G. We would like to hear from you. Please send us an email. Finally, in order to take advantage of today's free offer, please mention this product offer and... Please mail your love gift to Hebraic Heritage Ministries, P.O. Box 81, Strasburg, that's S-T-R-A-S-B-U-R-G, Ohio, 44680. Until next time, may Yeshua richly bless you.